Amen. Well, guys, um, we've got a friend of ours, a brother in Christ that's been here before, and he's come a long way to be with us this morning. Brother Abraham has come all the way from India to have breakfast with us, and uh, I feel that's an honor. Uh, India is one of the largest nations uh, in the world, is, is where uh, Brother Abraham is from. Um, I think it's number two. It might not be the most populated nation that's in dispute often. It goes back and forth between India and China, but uh, they do rank in the top two. I can say that much. Um, I think there's just under 1.4 billion people. That's like four times the size of the population of the United States. And uh, so would you guys give a warm welcome to our brother, Brother Abraham, all the way from India this morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the warm welcome. Because I've been pretty cold ever since I came here. As you can see that I'm not from this part of the world. And I'm still cold. Anyway. But it's always a joy and a privilege for me to come to the Reload, the men's breakfast here. Breakfast is always good and uh, the fellowship as well. And I always wonder, I asked Pastor Tom, even on today, I said to him, why are you having me to come again? You know, people who have had me once, have had enough of me, and you are inviting me to come back again. So I still don't know why. Maybe you need to hear again and again the needs and the problems of India so that you can stand with us as a team and help us to reach the nation of India. Amen? I like that song. What does you, you know, the last song they say, it's almost like a statement of faith, isn't it? Everything that we believe, uh, somebody has put it in a nice song with a nice tune, sounds good. Amen? So you won't forget what we believe. Well, God is good to us. As, as someone said, no matter what our circumstances are, the fact remains that God is good. Amen? Because many times that uh, what we go through these days, if we don't know that God is good, you always wonder where God is. So that is the kind of situations that we go through these days. And uh, we have been having lots of challenges, uh, lots of problems in India under the present government. Uh, before I go any further, my very special request for everyone that we would like you to pray for the nation of India for the next two months because we are having our election in May and we cannot put up with the present government for another five years because we have had so much of trouble, so much of challenges in the last five years. So we want them to go. And it seems like the only way it can happen is through prayers. Because it seems like that our present prime minister, who is very, very anti-Christian, and he has opened up the floodgates of the, of the militant attacks upon us, and watching that happen, and he seems like he could win again. 
but God can change it. Amen? So I request you to keep in prayers, and I will let know Pastor Tom and Pastor Bernie, Pastor Merle, who are here. I'll let you know and say, stop praying. We won. We got them out. Amen? But till then, I request you to kindly, kindly pray for the nation of India. Amen? We have been having so much of troubles. I've shared with you before that uh, persecution is nothing new in our country. And when I say persecution, it is not a bad word. Uh, it hurts because they beat you up. And I lost two of my pastors in the last 12 months. And uh, one was shot point blank three times because he was preaching the gospel and getting people saved from a very uh, specific group of, of uh, kind of terrorists. He used to belong to that group and and he got saved, and I put him through the Bible school, and he became my pastor. And uh, he was leading several of his friends to Christ, to the extent that uh, the leader found out his, his group was shrinking. And he wanted to know why, and they told him there's a guy. He is uh, converting them to Christianity. So he was taken to the jungle, and the leader asked him, okay, what about, I want to hear about your God. You are taking my people away from me. So let me, tell, let me hear what you want to say. So he picked up his Bible and he preached to him as if he got the best gospel meeting in front of him. Anyway, he heard for a while. I think that he couldn't hear anymore. He was convicted in his heart. Maybe he took his gun and he shot him point blank three times. And my young pastor just fell down in a pool of blood and he died. And uh, he left with his wife and two children, two small kids. And I went to his wife and I said to her, you know, let me move you out of this place to somewhere else so you can forget this as a bad dream and start your life all over again. But she said, you know, Pastor, please don't compel me to go because I don't want to go. I want to stay back here. I want to continue on the ministry that God has given to my husband. He is gone to be with him. But I'll continue on the work of God. Amazing commitment. Amen. So another guy was almost beaten to death. And uh, so we are paying the biggest price for only one reason, that Christ should be glorified. Amen. The only reason that Jesus Christ should become the Lord of India. And we are paying the biggest price for that. Uh, you know, like, you don't realize the freedom that God has given to you in this country, you know, to worship God. In India, you are worshiping in a little little village church building, and they come in and they beat you up, and they drag you out, they kick you, they break everything that you have, and they shut down the meetings. That's what happens these days. And, uh, but the Lord is still there. Amen? Amen? Jesus Christ is with us. Every time when I come, I ask you to help us, to support us. One of the things that I desperately need is to get some support for my pastors. You know, they are not just ordinary pastors. They are heroes. They have given everything that they have for the work of God. And uh, I try to get some support for these pastors. I ask in this country, where, whichever church I go, I tell them, would you please give me $2 a day? 
you know, that will make it to $60 a month. They'll support a pastor and his wife and three children. They'll enable them to go to a place and preach the gospel and establish a church where nobody has gone and no church is there for the last 2,000 years. These are all virgin land. India is a country where millions and millions of people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And this $60 will enable them to do all that and look after them, put a meal on the table, you know, put a roof over their head. Well, that's a good value for $2 a day. You know, I always carry with me a bunch of photographs of the pastors with me because that's cheaper than bringing them by plane. <laughs> so, and I say, would you decide to give me the $2? Take a pastor with you home. Put him on your fridge. Pray for them. And that money, you will know that has enabled them to continue on the work. Amen? So I got some brochures here. I got some photos here. Please come to this Hall of Fame, the front table, table number three. And uh, so you can take it with you. Even if nothing else, you can pray for us. Amen? 375 pastors are praying for a bicycle. You know, I'm asking people to buy me a bicycle, $100, you know, and because they are walking 15, 20 miles every day, you know, going to the surrounding villages, preaching the gospel, and there they are. And I say, I don't want a motorcycle. I don't want a car. Just give me a bicycle for my pastures. And the needs continue on. And I want you to pray for divine protection upon my brothers, upon these pastors. May the Lord take care of them. May the Lord use them. They're great men. I have known, I love shoulders with lots of great men around the world. I've been friends with many. But to me, these men are the greatest, greatest heroes that I've ever known in my life. You know, no books will ever be written about these men. No mission conference will ever invite them to be a speaker. They will live and die unknown in a very remote village. But I think we are all in for a shock. When we go to heaven, we'll find out who these guys are. Amen? So continue to pray for us and God bless you. And do whatever you can because India needs Jesus Christ. And we can do it all together. And God will bless you abundantly. Amen? I got a few more minutes, and I would like to share with you a little thought. And uh, it is from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And that's if I can find it. I went for a funeral of my friend, whom I have known for about 25 years, a pastor in London, and he passed away. So I went to, for the funeral, I was doing the burial. And I've never been in a torrential rain like that at a gravesite. So I'm holding on to my Bible. My Bible all got wet. So it's very difficult to turn the Bible to find the page. It's all stuck now. But anyway, praise the Lord for that. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. And the Bible says here that the word of the Lord was rare. Why? Why God got tired of speaking? 
Why God decided to have a rest for one generation? Or he was tired of giving too many revelations to us? He thought of having a break? Why? Why? What does it mean that the word of the Lord was rare? Why there was no widespread revelation? I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. Do you believe that? He talks to you in the morning. He talks to you in the evening. He talks to you in the car. Talks to you where you're working. He will continuously talk to every one of us. Amen. But here is a time that the word, the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare. It's not because God was not talking. The problem was the people were not hearing. That was the problem. A sinful and perverse generation. Even the priesthood was corrupted. The sons of Eli have been committing sin inside the temple. They were swaying away all God's people away from the presence of God. God was trying to get the attention of everyone, but nobody was listening. And it became the word of the Lord was rare. God was looking for someone to speak to. And all he could find was a little boy by name Samuel lying in the cold, stony floor in the, mount, in the temple. Dark. And if you study the, the way that the Lord was t- teaching Moses how to keep the temple, he said there should be a light, should be burning 24 hours a day. There should be no darkness in the temple. But now the Bible says the temple was dark because the light was not burning. Nobody cared. And the little boy was lying there and a God who was desperately wanting to talk to someone, he called out to him and he said, Samuel. And Samuel jumped off his feet. He ran to Eli and he said, Master, did you call me? You have to understand, here is the temple in the Old Testament supposed to be filled with God's presence. And he's a young boy coming to Eli the priest and he's asking, did you call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. But the problem is, why couldn't Eli think that if I didn't call him, who else was calling him? He could not think that there's a God who is trying to get the attention of this boy. He has to go and lie down three times. And God continued to call him because he was desperate to talk to him. And on the third time, he said, oh, maybe God wants to speak to you. And he calls you again. You say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. And that's the time God found somebody to talk to in a time that the word of the Lord was rare. Nobody was listening. And I want to throw before you a few thoughts. Why? How come that Samuel became somebody who could enjoy God's word, who could enjoy talking to God? What was the difference in his life which was not found in the whole generation? Let me run it through to you quickly, about 75 points I want to share. Everybody's laughing, saying, he must be joking, right? Okay. But I know the time. No matter how many points I have to say, you finish up with that time. Otherwise, I'm not coming to reload again. So... But I'm not planning to. I want to come back again. Your breakfast is wonderful. Um, So number one, 
It says in the same words, and now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. So that is the number one, you know, the character of, of Samuel was Samuel ministered unto the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean, ministering unto the Lord? It means that he worshiped God in his life. Amen. God is looking for every one of us to be a true worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He ministered to the Lord. He enjoyed talking to him. He enjoyed worshiping the Lord. And God enjoyed our worship. Amen. I believe that every one of us become a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just on a Sunday morning or maybe on the reload, singing that two, three songs. But I believe that worship should become a way of life for every one of us. You worship the Lord on your way to your work. You worship the Lord in the work. You worship the Lord when you come back home. You become the priest of your house. As men, I remember David looking at his son Solomon who was about to become the king and he is in his deathbed and he calls out to his son and this is the, the only uh, advice that he was giving to his son. You know what he said to him? He looked into his eyes and he said, son, I want you to prove yourself as a man. I like that. He was a man. He's about to become the king. But to the father, to be a man means more than just having the man's thing. He wants you to show the qualities of a man. And one of the qualities of being a man is that we become a worshiper of the Lord. We glorify him. We stand up for our commitment. Stand up for our belief. And that's what it is being to be a man. Amen. Samuel was a worshiper of the Lord. And number two, we read in chapter 2, verse 18, it says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. He was wearing a linen ephod. But if you study the the priesthood and the, and the clothes of the high priest. God designed, uh, designed an amazing kind of uh, an outfit for Aaron, the high priest. It's very gorgeous with all kinds of studs and all the urim and thummim and all that woven together. And that's what he wore all the time, except one time every year, one day, where he's supposed to go into the Holy of Holies. We know that the, the tabernacle is divided into three parts, the courtyard where the, the altar is there and then you go into the holy place and that's where the showbread is kept and the lamb was kept there. And then you go through the curtain and you go into the Holy of Holies and there you see the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat sitting upon it and about two cherubims stretching out and hovering out. That's the picture of... of the tabernacle. And uh, God said to, uh, to Aaron, when you come into the Holy of Holies once a year with a cup of the blood for, to be sprinkled on the mercy seat for the remission of the whole nation of Israel, you should remove your gorgeous clothes and in that place you should put on a linen ephod and you should come into the Holy of Holies. Why? Why a linen ephod? Why not the gorgeous clothes that you designed for me? But God says, no, 
because you are coming into my presence, into the Holy of Holies. And he said, when you are coming in there, the linen of fault speaks about, you know, being restful, not sweating in God's presence. The other gorgeous things are like silk. You know, you sweat all the time, but you wear it. But God says, when you come into my presence, I do not want you to sweat in my presence. You should wear the linen of both, which means that you have to learn to be in my presence, not sweating. Sweating is an act of work. Whereas when you're wearing a linen of both, it is there's no sweating, you're not working. That means you are resting in God's presence. Amen. So here, Samuel was worshiping the Lord and he was wearing a linen of both. You have to understand that he was living among a generation of sin and perversion. And you have got a tendency to prove to God and say to him, I'm not like them, Lord. I'm different. Look at me. I'm doing the, the good work. I'm leading a good life. And you are sweating to please God in your life. And God is saying, you don't need to sweat in my presence. You don't need to prove yourself to me. Yeah, I want you to be the way you are. And I love you the way you are. And all you need to do is come and find rest in my presence. Amen? Samuel learned to find rest in the presence of God. That's number two. And I got a few more minutes. Number three. And uh, here we, let me find this page. is not turning. Go to chapter 3, uh, verse 19. And there we read like this. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. I don't know whether you have read this verse any time. But it always intrigues me. Well, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. That's fine. And then it says that Samuel will not let any of the word of God to fall on the ground. It is almost like a two types of a statement. It is like, I imagine like somebody is on a mango tree and the other guy is standing down there and he plucks his fruit and he's dropping it. He said, come on, catch it. So you are, you are trying to catch the mango. And uh, if you drop it, then you're going to bruise it and you hold it. Right? That's what it means. You, you catch it. But that's the same word is used, but there's word. How do you drop the word onto the ground? See, it's almost like God is throwing his word to Samuel. He says, are you ready, Samuel? And he says, yeah, 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 I'm ready. Come on, throw it. And God throws his word. I got it now. Thank you. Another one, please. Amen. He will not let any of God's word to fall on the ground. Or he will not let God's word to be wasted, but he will catch every word, put it in his heart. He will catch it. To him, the word of God was so precious. Someone who enjoyed the word of God. Someone caught hold of God's word. Someone received the word into his spirit. He became full of it. Amen. And I want to read one more verse and finish it for today. And in verse chapter 4, verse 1, we read like this. It says, and let me say verse 21 also. Then the Lord 
appeared again and again and again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. He enjoyed it. If you catch his word, he'll give it to you more. If you throw it onto the ground and trample on it, the Bible says you don't throw the purse before a pig. That's what the Bible says. If you enjoy it, God has got much more for you and me. Amen? He's watching. Will you catch it or will you throw it on the floor? And he kept on appearing to him again and again and again because he loves giving his word to this young guy, Samuel, who enjoy receiving God's word in his life. Amen? And chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Chapter 3 finishes like this, that Samuel was saturated with God's word. Won't let anyone, anyone word to fall on the ground. And God kept on speaking. And Samuel kept on receiving and receiving and receiving and, and making himself full of God's word. And a very interesting statement I read in verse 1. It does not say that the word of the Lord came through Samuel to the people. That's how it should read. The word of the Lord came through Samuel. But here it says, the word of Samuel came to the people of Israel. What does that mean? It means exactly like this. Because he is full of God's word. His heart is filled with the word of God. Every word that he'll speak will be God's word through his life. Amen? The word of Samuel became the word of the Lord. And he was able to give God's word to the people. Became one of the greatest amazing prophets to bring the word of God into their lives. Amen? And he became a prophet. He became a servant. He became a child of God. In a time when the word of the Lord was rare. Friends, we are living in a horrible times. We are living in a time that people don't care about the word. Everything is going from bad to worse. Things are going wrong everywhere. You know, people are coming up with all kinds of strange ideas. Nobody can call a man, man, woman, woman. And you, don't, you don't know who you are. That's the type of a world we are living in. The word of the Lord is rare. But today I want to challenge a few men here. The Lord is looking for you and me to stand up for righteousness. God is looking for you and me not to be ashamed to be a worshiper. Not to be ashamed of opening your mouth and saying, praise the Lord my God. Amen? We will not be ashamed. We will not cow down. We got the greatest privilege and I honor that God has given to us to be his child, to be his witness. And the Lord wants to take your life and use us for his glory. Amen. Pray with me, please. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this privilege and the honor that you've given to me to speak to a group of men who have taken their time and come and be in your presence. I pray that you'll bless everyone, Lord. Lord, you'll meet the needs of everyone. Your anointing will come and rest upon us, Lord. Make us truly a great witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'll bless us, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for this time of fellowship together. Pray for Pastor Tom who leads this, this men's ministry. I pray your hand will be upon him in a special way. We give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me once again. May the Lord bless you.